Breaking the cycle to step forward. Authentic conversations from lived experience and a professional perspective in overcoming abuse with Chris Tuck and Beverly Ann. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Cycle to Step Forward podcast with me Chris Tuck and and I'm Beverly Ann. Hello. So it's number 35 and we are speaking about is it really that easy? What does that even mean Bev? Well I think it's really interesting because we're always talking about if something's happened to you as a child speak out to somebody as you're you know if you're a young person or an adult speak out to somebody don't keep the silence reach out share with someone to get support and I think that question is it really that easy is really interesting because we don't know what's going to happen after that and this podcast has come about a really interesting conversation that you had with somebody only recently. So would you like to explain more, Chris? Yeah, so I was just walking around the woods with my friend Ellie and I just said to her, like, if there was abuse within her family, and there isn't, but I just said, just think about this. If there was abuse within your family, but you you've never come across abuse before, you had no knowledge of it and you just really thought, you know, happy family, getting on with life. And then all of a sudden, one of your children turned around and said to you, um, I'm being abused by a sibling, or it could be the dad, stepdad, um, just in this scenario. I said, what would you do? I said, would you believe your child or would you believe your husband? I said, how would you deal with it? And she looked at me and she went, well, because I've been speaking to you for many years, I said, no, forget about that. I said, because you know what to do now because you, you, we've had the conversation. I said, but would you believe your child, especially if you had a bit of a naughty child in your family? Or oh, what we perceive as naughty. Yeah. Would you believe the perceived naughty child or the adult that you've never ever had any disagreements with, you loved wholeheartedly, you thought was a really good person, who would you actually believe? And she just stood there silently for a moment and she goes, you know what? I really don't know. I'd be really confused as to what to do, what to say, and, you know, it, even where to go with it I, I just wouldn't know and I said yeah that's got me thinking quite deeply because we talk about come on from a survivor's perspective we should just listen and we should just support the victim and survivor that speaks up and we need to take action whatever that happens to be depending on what the person wants but when you have no knowledge of what abuse is what it looks like and you've had this perfect relationship and then all of a sudden a child turns around and says, daddy's done this or um, brother's done that or sister's done that. What do you actually do? It's like, it must be like a bomb going off in the family. So what do you do? And I genuinely ask that question because we know too many people, don't we, Beverly, where we've heard 
even in our own families, where we've not been believed. And just because you might be the only child out of four, for example, being abused, because the others aren't being abused, it's almost like there's disbelief. Well, why are you being abused, but nobody else? And how can this perfect person, that's groomed everybody, by the way, but how can this perfect person do anything? They would never do that. Sure, they just, they just wouldn't do that. So it's the disbelief. So I want to really get inside this and crack it open and share what ideally people should be doing in this kind of situation. And I mean, that's so very valid because the other part of this that will come out more as well is when someone's being abused, the person who's doing it is very manipulative and they're not just abusing that child or young person or adult, they're actually manipulating and grooming all the other people around them and isolating them. Mm -hmm. So it's, <clears throat> it's very, very clever. I have actually been in the position years and years and years ago before even talking when, and I can't say names or anything because it's too close to home, but just say within the family unit, when somebody disclosed that they were being abused and the adult said to me, they're lying. Yep. And I said, okay, let's look at it from two aspects. If this person is lying, do you not think that that person needs help? Yeah. And I said, and you're saying she's lying. Why do you think, what gives you the cause to think that person is lying? On the same token, and what if she's telling the truth? Yeah. And that, and they didn't know what to do. And I said, because if she's telling the truth, who else is being abused? Because they don't act on one person and that's it. Yeah, and it was only then, the <clears throat> excuse, I got fucked in my phone. It was only then that the person that I was talking to just sat back and went white. Because it's not, it isn't nice it's heinous it's like a bomb but the most important thing to think about is if you're struggling to even perceive the thought of this imagine what it's like for that person who's just who's, told you yeah 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 so I said to her like what would you do and she said well based on the conversations that we've had over the years she said I would like to think I would believe my child and the way I would handle it would be to say to my husband, especially if my husband was turning around and saying, um, no, they're lying. Um, they're not telling the truth. Um, you know, they're troublesome. You know this, you know that. Especially if my husband was saying that, I would just say to him, I'm really sorry. You may be telling the truth. But at this moment in time, you're an adult. You have a voice. You can look after yourself. This child can't. So like you said, whether the child is telling the truth or maybe not, who knows, um, they need help either way. So as the adult, the alleged non-offending adult, I have to take control here and I am asking you to leave. And we will 
have this checked out, investigation, whatever needs to happen. And as a result of that, we will then discuss this further. But yeah. we know that that, that is ideal, the ideal situation would be that the alleged offending parent gets removed and the child is given the space to talk about what's gone on for them and help and support is given um, whatever that looks like because it's going to be different in every situation. But we must remember that there is an alleged crime that might have happened here, alleged crime. So therefore it does need reporting, but how it's reported, we'll talk about that in a moment. So that's ideal, but we know that many families, communities, organizations will put reputation before protection and they will go on what they see and what they believe. And often that child or young person or even an adult, as you've said, vulnerable adult is not believed and there's a cover up that goes on. So that is what usually happens because of this disbelief um, and families tend to just soldier on, so to speak, without speaking about it and just pretend like putting a plaster over it until something else comes up. It's all gets pushed under the carpet. And we're here to say that's not acceptable and it shouldn't be the response. The first thing that we talked about should be the response. And the response is challenging mm -hmm. because it knows no, you know, we're talking at the moment because of our experiences, but sometimes it's, it may be, a, you know, the young person may be a girl. It can even be a boy. And we must come away from this, um, old thinking that it's mostly girls because it's not it, you know, it's a lot of boys and that's coming out more and we need to be able to listen to that but one thing I will say is being a parent holding that space for your child as they're speaking to you about something that is really really challenging whether you're ex experienced or not is the most devastating conversation you can think about having and this is where we have to be aware of our own triggers, our own feelings, and put them aside for the moment. It's like park it. So we may have different feelings. Oh, my God, I've, I've failed them. What I've done? How can I fix this? Actually, for the moment, just park that because it's about giving that person, that your child, you know, the young person, the vulnerable adult, that space to be heard in a calm environment. That doesn't mean to say you're feeling calm inside, but, you know, mm -hmm. really thinking about what's coming from you to this to this person who's sharing something that is very, very difficult to share. And, you know, they might not be very clear in what they're saying to you from your perspective. They might be using language that doesn't equate to the actual abusive experience because they might not have the language for that or the words for that but they're saying something to you enough for you to go what 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 did they just say what what just went on there and again just sort of like collect your thoughts and just go could you please repeat that for me or did did you say this did I actually hear you correctly 
and give them that space to actually respond again or give them the time for them to respond in their own way because I know often the amount of times that I tried to pick the right moment to come out with something and I would say something that was not what I wanted to say but I would test the water to see what the reaction was around me before I said any more and it it sort of like did get the response that I wanted eventually but the first time I sort of like said anything it was just almost like nah that never happened don't say things like that that never happened and then that sort of like silences you so I think when anyone comes to you and says anything that's kind of out of character just learn to and learn to and then just say could you repeat that or did I hear you right or what did you mean by that and just give them the space and as you said try and just take all of your emotion out away and just give them the space and that having that that space and that listening means really try and even sit in your hands if you have to but really try when there's a silence leave that silence yeah allow them the space don't try and mush them don't try and say is this what you mean or put the words in your your having that space even sit on your hands and just have that space mm. none of this is easy but no. from a from a victim and survivor's perspective because we've been through it and because we want protected sooner we are saying this is what needs to change we wasn't believed or uh, sorry i shouldn't say that on your behalf i wasn't believed on multiple times when I spoke up. So I'm saying that if someone does disclose to you, you do need to be an upstander and not a bystander in this. And then we're gonna talk about the, the response now, because we've got different thing um, thoughts about all of this, haven't we? Yes, yeah, and this is what's interesting. And that's what we love about doing this because we have different ways of seeing things. So your thoughts, Chris, is, I obviously see it quite black and white to be blunt. I see it as a crime and I see it that it needs to be reported um, because a child needs to be protected. Do I now believe that we should go straight to the police? Um, maybe not straight away, but I do believe in order to make that child feel safe that the alleged offender needs to be removed out of their space so that they are protected before we decide i do believe that the crime does need to be reported yes and i don't disagree however for me and it comes down to experiences and what you feel yeah. comfortable with for me with my own experiences um, being involved in different scenarios yes it is a crime and it does need to be reported but I would always want to do it through a body that has the experience and have done that because I also know of when they've 
then somebody's gone straight to the police. The police, and this is no reflection on the whole of the force, we're talking about people at that time. Um, they were not, they didn't have the, the training or the capacity to know how to support this person. Yeah. And actually it didn't bode well for them in any shape or form. Whereas there are many places. So I know that in Sussex and Kent, we've got some particularly good places that you can go to. Up north, I'm not so familiar with. So I'm going to only talk about knowledge and my own experiences. So you, for instance, you've got the Survivors Network, you've got um, Childline, you've got Parentline, you've got the NSPCC, you've got NAPAC, you've got lots of different um, places, that you, even the Samaritans that you can go to initially for support, because they will also take it through. And I know this because of experience here. So they will help the support. And the support comes from an entirety, because let's be honest, Everybody needs the support, the person being listened to, the person, and that is the primary, let's be honest, that is our primary um, objective here, is to have the person who's trying, or young child, whoever's trying to speak out, give them the space and the support and the continued support to enable them to feel that yes, this has been the right thing and enable them rather than to disable them. Yeah, I also think um, there was one more charity that you didn't mention is Mozak and they are to help the non-offending parent and specifically families. And also if you're, you live in North London, there is the Child House, which is based on the Barnahoos Project, which is a, um, a one... Um, a centre of professionals so if if my child today I haven't got a young child but just imagine I have if I've got a young child today that has disclosed to me I could go to the child house I could report it the forensics gets done there the support gets done there and the pathway through the criminal justice system also gets activated there so it's like a one-stop shop and I'm actually working with Emma Harewood, who um, didn't create, but she she put it all in place. She was pivotal in getting it up and running and for it to continue to be running. And she's trying to work on the blueprint and what was good about the child house is good about the child house. And she's trying to replicate it in services in the Southeast. Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm hoping that it will be replicated nationwide, but at the moment, she's working on it to be replicated in the Southeast. So, you know, where you've got a one stop shop, so to speak, where you can get all of the information, where you can just tell your lived experience once so that it's not re-triggering and re-traumatizing, that's got to be good for everybody, hasn't it? Absolutely. And we have evolved a lot as well over the years and so I can see where different experiences will be different and not all the experiences have been bad. One of the things that is important, no matter how young that child is, I believe it's important that when we're asking and they're talking, we also talk to them about next steps. Enable them to have a choice. They've had the courage 
to tell you something. And it's as adults, especially when it's a family member, especially when it's our children, the first thing we, we want to do is just jump in and fix it and, and, and I'll make this all better. And actually, this is the hardest part as a parent, as you know, the emotional part as someone you love. You know, you could be a favourite auntie or uncle that's listening. It could be um, a teacher. Is to be able to stand back and in that conversation, at the end of the conversation, is, you know, thank you for sharing this. And be honest. There are some next steps to help to keep you safe and for you to be heard. I don't necessarily know each and every one at the moment, but my, my, my thoughts are, I'm going to contact someone who can support us all. Yeah, yeah, because really important. It's, our reaction is, oh, I'll get this sorted. But then you can leave the child thinking, oh, what have I done? So communication and talking is so important. Yeah. And it, again, that feeling as a parent or a close person, why didn't I see this? Why could, couldn't I stop this? That's not for now. It's valid, but it's not for now. It's, it's the person who's speaking out, the child, the young person, the vulnerable adult. And we've got to remember about the person that's disclosing I know we keep saying child, young person, vulnerable adult, but we need to just be clear here. Um, they may really love the alleged perpetrator. They don't want no harm to come to that alleged perpetrator, but they just want what is happening to them to stop. That's what they want. They don't want anything else other than that. So when all of a sudden, that alleged perpetrator, whether it be the mum, the dad, a sibling, is removed because of what's been disclosed, there can be all manner of feeling going on in that victim, the victim of crime here. And it might be very, very, very upsetting and unsettling. They probably wished that they'd never spoke about it because of the consequences um but i also do know where this has happened in some families and the family has managed to stay together because of all of the help and the support that's gone on um it's not common and not normal but I have heard of an incident of where it has happened. Um, yeah, but for me, I'm quite biased in this. I just believe that the alleged perpetrator, once it's been a light's been shone on them to be a perpetrator, they should be nowhere near the child, no matter what the thoughts and feelings are of the other family members and the victim. I just think that person should be not there. <clears throat> And, and I'm I'm absolutely with you there. And again, this is when we reflect back on ourselves. If we're struggling to deal with it because this is someone we love and this is just too heinous what's being alleged, that gives us a, a starting of understanding of how challenging that can be for the person who's speaking out who 
loves them. So this is the bit where it gets very, very challenging. And how can you love or support you know, everyone? And you can't do it on your own. It's not an area. It's an area that even professionals at times find it's challenging. And so by having someone to support you to do this, it enables the whole family to be supported. And it enables um, correct documentation of a crime at the end for ultimately for the safety and the ongoing support that that person will need or young person or child. I mean, because we know, don't we, how manipulative abusers, perpetrators can be and are. The fact that, for example, my mum stayed with my stepdad for all of those years because she loved him. Even though she knew abuse had gone on, the pull of that connection of her with him was stronger than anything that she had for her children. I don't purport to understand it, but I just know many families are like that. You know, there are many children that have been abused within the family home, yet the parents are still together. So to unpick all of that. And that's what the bit I find challenging because I, I do find this challenging because if one of your children's telling you that they're being um, abused by that person, my next thought would be myself, I, where am I being abused in my relationship with that person? Mm. Because often when we're in the middle, we don't see it. It's only when we stand back and think, oh. And the other thing is, but I would have known, I've heard this, I would have known if my child was being abused. They've told me this and I would have known. Would you? Because a conversation that was had not long ago with somebody, they said something about night times. And then I said, oh, it didn't necessarily happen over night time. It could be on the way to school. Or it could, um, situations get manipulated, asking someone if they want to go to the shop, such as, you know, another sibling who's engrossed in something, and they say no, because they're engrossed in something, and straight away, oh, come on then, you come with me. It looks so yeah. innocent, and this is not to witch hunt, but this is to no. highlight how manipulative abusers are. And those abusers are sometimes, and it is challenging to hear, trusted and loved members of the family. Yeah, and that's why it, it just happens in literally in plain sight, doesn't it? Yeah. So, Beverly, I shared this week um, a couple of uh, clips from... TikTok of all places, but it was actual perpetrators being convicted perpetrators being interviewed and them saying how they managed to abuse in plain sight. And I shared it on my Facebook because it doesn't matter how many times I, you, and other victim survivors come out and say, This is what happened to me, unless they hear sometimes it from literally the horse's mouth. Um, people don't actually sit up and listen. And even I, when I listen to these videos of these convicted perpetrators saying quite coldly and callously how they went about their abuse, I was like, 
Oh, I, I, I find it. I, I, I do find it challenging. It's I find it challenging. Though. It is fascinating, but I find it challenging. And yeah. I'm being honest there because I'm in that world and, you know, and I agree about opening conversations. And yet that's an area that I, it, it produces an anger in me because they get hurt. I feel they get hurt and supported more than the, than, than the victim. Um, and they get, and this is another subject, but they get more support <laughs> afterwards to continue their life. Yeah, yeah. But what I wanted to just say, it angers me listening to them, but it shows people that are unaware or mm. ignorant because they've chosen to be ignorant because I can't go there because it's too shocking. I can't, I, just, I can't look over there just because, just because I just can't. Well, you need to, yeah, because yeah. you need to know what you're dealing with. Um, and it's just like the matter-of-fact way of, oh, yeah, well, you know, I, I am a pillar of the community. I am, you know, a loved member of the family. I, 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 I offered to help and it was accepted and da, 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 da. And of course, then I've got access to a child and I'm always believed over the child. Absolutely. And it's just a matter of fact. There was even a man, he was a clergy person. And he sort of like, people, like there was um, complaints made about him and there was, people in the profession coming up to him and going oh don't worry um there'll always be someone that wants to speak uh, bad about you it won't come to nothing don't worry and you're like what someone's yeah, just disclosed to, abuse about to this person and you're saying don't worry that's why i have to take a deep breath but going back to what we were saying about um children talking out I remember so I didn't actually verbalize it I was unable to verbalize it I remember being 10 and for, when I was told I was being sent back home to live with my parents most children would be ecstatic and for yeah. three nights in a row I had night terrors and I was physically taken out of bed and comforted right and I don't hold this against them but nobody actually asked and nobody connected the dots and asked me, what was it that was causing the night terrors? It was assumed. If someone had asked you at the time, though, would you honestly have been able to answer them or not? I don't know. Um, I think if somebody had said, you know, asked me questions such as, what's the matter? You know, um, I might have said something like, I'm having nightmares. And if, the, if it had been like, and what are your nightmares about? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Is there anything that's worrying you? Then I may have, in the end, been able to say, I want to stay here. I don't want to go home. Yeah. But this comes back to what we're saying in the, in the first place about really listen. Yeah. And take time to listen. Because I wouldn't necessarily have had the words. I was 10. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew that I didn't like going home. I didn't exactly know why, but I didn't like it. Didn't want to go. Going back to the intrafamilial setup, the family setup, where we have heard from people that have experienced sibling abuse, um, they've said, and I've heard from different 
victim and survivors of sibling abuse that there was always like a golden child alleged perpetrator but in these cases turned out to be an actual perpetrator not alleged nothing alleged about their abusing and they were seen the victim was seen as a bit of a problematic child or someone that wasn't um so loved from their perspective by their parents and so the person that was doing the abuse was um could never put a foot wrong yeah nothing was believed about them so they felt that they couldn't even speak up because they were already at a disadvantage because nothing bad would ever stick about that golden child the perpetrator yeah. in, in these incidences so it can be very very difficult you know to actually Absolutely. even speak up and then the perpetrator will know this and use it to their advantage as well yeah and and when that young child becomes older and they're living away you know I, I, I know circumstances where they've shared it and whichever parent it's been shared with they've kept it from the other parent because of not wanting to break the family up we say it but that is common isn't it um, I don't want to break the family up but mm. then you're silencing the abused child from and ever getting the help and support they need and that that's the bit we need to always come back to that's the bit we need to come back to not anyone else at the moment come back to that person who's sharing that information and one thing i want to make clear when we're saying vulnerable adult often people have different conceptions that could be a an adult who you know is functioning well in life is you know what we what is deemed as functioning has a high profile job you know runs a family home you know does all these things and then suddenly says this is what happened to me when i was younger they are vulnerable in that moment so when we're saying vulnerable that's what we're classifying as vulnerable that person who is vulnerable at that time who's sharing an experience so i'm very aware of the time Chris, so just to round this up at the end, um, with a conclusion, yeah. what are your thoughts? So the title was, is it really that easy? On one hand, no, it's very complicated. But on the other hand, yes, because we have to just be aware that this could happen to any child. And if we have our eyes open and our ears open just to the fact that it could happen, then we know that as an adult, it is our responsibility to listen and to take the appropriate action. And you've identified, Beverly, that to reach out to an organisation that may be able to help you through this minefield may be the way to go. And then the legal assistance will come into that as well yeah and I, you know the way i always want to put it into words it's something a horrific scenario but by taking those simple steps at the beginning when someone's disclosing to you they may seem simple but they are so effective keep calm 
listen. Ask, you know, ask, speak to them about next steps. Be honest. You might not know all the answers at this moment. But by doing that, you're enabling that young person, that child, that vulnerable adult to know that they can come back to you and you're not going to surprise them either. And you're reassuring them. Yeah. In an ideal wow. world. Yeah. Heavy, heavy, so heavy. Anyone listening, we know that, you know, some of these podcast episodes become challenging, but they're there for a reason. If anyone's listening and they haven't disclosed and they want to disclose, please feel that you can reach out. Um, you can always look on different, uh, on the website. Feel free. We have an email breaking the cycle to step forward at gmail.com so we can if you give us the out outline we can give you some information that made me jump that was one of the dogs trying to walk in at the moment and you can tell it made me jump because of what we're talking about and my own reactions so please think about your self-care and take time to think about how you're feeling and we wish everybody well. And we truly hope you don't ever have to come across this scenario. But if you do, know that you've got this information behind you to help you on to your next steps. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that if you, nothing else, just think about the health and well-being of that victim of that crime, your child, yes. your young person, your vulnerable person in your life and you are literally giving them a lifeline to help them get out of that abusive situation whatever it is and also to empower them to move them on through into their journey of healing so thank you everyone thank you bye for now goodbye